Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. Each week, we bridge the gap between science and in-the-trench experience for physique enhancement. I'm your host, John Jewett. Let class begin. Welcome, everyone, to the J3U Podcast. This is the Coach's Corner, where we, the coaches, answer all your questions that we get through messages and on Instagram. So we have quite a few today. And today I'm just joined with Corey Hagman. No, no Joseph today. So Corey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm getting through final exams currently, but um, I had about a month where I was sick and like my, my training, gosh, like it, it's really taken a back seat, um, which, you know, probably for the best, but I have had a finally like a week of consistent training. And I mean, that's always, it always feels crappy because weight's lower than it has been, but it's like, Hey, get through that first week, um, systemically get used to these movements again. But I, I kid you not, it was like over six weeks. I think I lifted twice. Cause it was just that, just that sick. And like, I was like hoping it would, um, be a quicker recovery, but like, Hey, Whatever's going around it. Um. Well, I was I was gonna say like the last podcast that we recorded, you were sick on, and so I was like, wait a second, that's been that's been a few weeks. So it's it's crazy how long that can just drag out. Because I know like your schedule's packed full like all day, so there's uh, not a lot of time to dump off that some of that uh, allosteric load, right? Like just kind of always on the on the brink is that right yeah yeah I mean it's it's good busy's good and I mean I remember a time where I was hoping for this kind of uh workload you know from a coaching standpoint I mean I would say um coaching is the best it's ever been and it's amazing like I mean that that is so rewarding but yeah it uh catches up with you and um, I can't really, can't complain though. I mean, same with nursing is like, I, I kind of, I asked for this, like I worked so hard to get into school and now it's like, all right, well, it's temporary. So, um, gosh, it'd be nice though, to have a month off. It'd be really nice to have a month break just from, from school at least. I know you had girls compete at nationals. Did that really throw off the sleep schedule, like getting up with them? Cause that's like the other side of the U.S. So like the time difference is pretty substantial there. Yeah. 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 That was, uh, I mean, it doesn't happen often, but it was, I was excited. You know how excited I was like for um, Gabby and Jillian to like get on stage. It was their first national show, but I had clinicals that day. So we, uh, we go in 7 a.m. Um, so we we're there a little bit before that. And I woke up with them around 3, 3.30. Make sure they're good. Try to catch a cup, like an hour of sleep. But I mean, you can't really, when it's that dysregulated, I was like, I got to be up in like two hours anyway. So got up. And I, I mean, I'm glad it worked out. Um, I'm glad it worked out the way it did where they had all their stuff one day because I know they were both really stressed about it. Like, like worried just like oh it's gonna be a two-day show like it has been in the past few years so it worked out that like they were able to get in and like focus just on that day and not like have an additional day where they're stressing but oof, by the end of it like I think I text you I was like <laughs> I'm so tired well you know what is cool about Nat well 
for one, um, bravo to you for getting up with your clients, right, and, and, and making that happen. I'm always so paranoid that my alarm's not going to go off, that I end up waking up even earlier and, and sleep's just so disrupted. It's the, the life of a coach. But th- thankful to be able to do it right. Um, but I, I also heard that uh, Nationals is going to get moved to Texas next year. It's going to be in Dallas. Did you see that announcement? I did, yeah. yeah. I actually, yeah. The, the consulate I had right before this, um, the girl is shooting for that show. And oh, okay. she's like, she's like, do you think you can be there? Do you think you can come? And I'm like, well, like I know what we had talked about is um, even with this past one, if the timing had worked out, if it had made sense to try to go out to the national shows. So, I mean, I don't know, hopefully if, uh, if I have a few girls competing and, you know, I'm luckily not in the hospital that day, then yeah, I would love to love to come out and that'd be fun. Be fun to, um, visit with you guys and, um, see everyone actually in person. Yeah. That's, uh, it's a good win for Texas. <laughs> uh, we we just have we have so many shows here, um, just such a, a bodybuilding state. So it's cool to bring a national level show here. Like we we just got like quite a few Texas shows back for for like pro bodybuilding, um, but yeah, for for nationals we don't have anything. So pretty cool. Excited about that. Yeah, and and Freddie, he's one of the owners of. The battle up productions right he it's yeah. they're working they do a really good job like i yeah he was i think he was a part of the nationals in orlando when i did that one and i mean i was just really impressed with the, with everything i mean from a production standpoint it was it was put on well so um that's exciting well the texas pro was phenomenal like i didn't you know i only saw the videos and, and what everyone was telling me but the stage they put together was so badass like you actually would get like great stage photos that you know because they actually set up the lighting really well and they had like they had like uh fireworks and shit going off like behind you like certain things it was uh seemed like a really like entertaining show to go to so they they put on a production so it should be uh if he's involved in nationals that would be pretty substantial show. no that's gonna be cool yeah do you you guys have an athlete getting ready yeah 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 so this is actually this week finally chilled out a bit for me because last well what just happened is the female module came out yesterday which whenever this is coming out it's been out for uh, like a couple weeks now but um so that's been like a build-up of like making sure everything's working in the app and on the website and then um just preparing all the launch materials and it finally is here. So we've had like such, it, I think we started like back in March or April, like, oh yeah, it'll come out then. And it just kept getting pushed and pushed back. So that finally happened and it's super excited. And is what we'll talk about today is all about female stuff anyway. But um, so it's, it's cool because that happened and now I can just focus on like getting out to the Olympia. And I have uh, Brady Barnes. He's a classic physique competitor. Um, he qualified early in the season at the heart of Texas, and so this will be his Olympia debut. And uh, just really cool peak for him because we pretty much decided it was a little. It was about two and a half weeks out where it's like, man, you're you're ready. Like this is this is it. And at at the heart of Texas, he was down to like two twenty two. So I kind of had an idea of where he needed to be at. Now it was a quicker prep. So 
we had him around 225, and it, it, it was, he was ready. And uh, realizing that there was still, you know, once you pull back on training and, you know, I, I pull back on, on gear, there's going to be some water drop and, a, like, a tighter look come through. So once this happened these past, like, weeks going in, like, days, it uh, I've been feeding him like crazy now. So we were holding at 450 grams of carbs, like, leading into peak week. And now he's three days out and on 700 grams of carbs putting in today and adding some fats in, too, to make sure it holds. Because every day he's been dropping a pound. So he, he, he's super conditioned, but now it's just making sure he stays full enough because that, that will be the downfall if he doesn't walk on stage full. So it's a, it's a good spot to be in. It's just making sure, like, you just you just keep up with them. So every day it's just more and more food and, and putting it in. So, um, And I, I know he's going to be one where I have to feed probably pretty hard overnight to land for, for show day. But, uh, yeah, we uh, I fly out. Well, Renee and I both, we fly out tomorrow, so I'll be there with them to just uh, keep keep the eye on them. It's the first Olympia I've been to to – to not compete in just the first one in general as a spectator. So it, it'll be, it'd be cool to just be there for that, to not um, just have the, the fan experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, that's so exciting and great, great experience for him to have his coach there. And like, yeah. I mean, to like be ready, you just going into that feeling so prepared. I mean, he's got to, he's got to be nervous. I'm sure. Cause it's just, cause it's so exciting, but like at the same time, it's normal. And I mean, it's just, it's cause you, it's cause you care. Um, but it, it, it's a lot easier to get on stage when you know, like, Hey, I have it all dialed in and conditioning is on point, And now it's just like repeating this look. Oh yeah. The, the confidence is super high and he has a great perspective about it too. It's like, man, I'm at the Olympia. It's my first one. Like there's no expectations. Like I absolutely train, train my ass off to win, but uh, you know, it's uh, just an honor to be here. <laughs> kind of thing. So uh, he has, you know, great perspective. So it's just um, exciting because he already kind of like, he's like, this is the best I've ever looked, which is great to hear as a coach and just a confidence place for him to be into as a competitor. So it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Ed, that's going to be good. I'm excited. Um, yeah, we, <laughs> I have like 10 questions I could ask you just about his prep and like <laughs> more about that because I'm I'm curious and I feel like I, I learn a lot that way but um I, I know people want to get to the female drug questions so we, we will stay on topic then maybe uh maybe after the show then we can do one on just peaking we could talk about your peak weeks and then also what what kind of ended up happening with Brady because it might get more interesting with even more food so um, I, I can I, I can share on the next one. We can, we can discuss like peak week. Yeah, that that sounds great. What uh, what do you want to kick off? Yeah, let's. Um, I mean, I got my list here. Um, I'll just I'll start this one off because someone had asked on my IG story about uh, the safety of aromatase inhibitors and the, their usage, and <clears throat> which it's a, it's it's a loaded one. So I like I've answered this one based off like what she had initially asked, which around the safety. And so they are approved for human usage. They've gone through all clinical trials and toxicology testing and their approved usage is for the treatment of breast cancer. Um, 
estrogen is a can be a breast cancer promoter in that certain type of uh, cancer, and so the all the strategies have been around modulating estrogen. <clears throat> One route being using an aromatase inhibitor. Now you have to understand that within that population, they already have like a disease state. So looking at you know long term outcomes could get a little muddied around the issues that come along with those conditions. Uh, also, you have to consider like those individuals are going to have a very different risk acceptance to a medication versus a healthy individual because you're looking at what does cancer progress to and hey, long-term cardiovascular disease, like this isn't going to be the, the first stop point for a, a patient with cancer. It's going to be complications around the cancer, right? So with at least long-term aromatase inhibitor usage deploying around breast cancer, it's been associated risk with increased occurrence of cardiovascular disease because estrogen, you're basically looking at like what are the issues around lowering estrogen? And a lot of it has um, negative impacts around the, the lipid profile and leading to potential associations with cardiovascular disease. The other one that shows association is increased risk of osteoporosis. So, and, and this is likely, I'd have to dig in more, but probably of like when the time period of, of when the cancer would to occur. Because um, if you had like your younger years and you had um, your, your normal rise and dropping of, of menstrual cycle and estradiol, like you're laying good gown, good bone quality um, before you're having an aromatase inhibitor put in versus you know, someone that got a cancer like earlier in life and they spent many years with low estrogen. So, but they're, you know, long, uh, long story, not short, um, increased occurrences of osteoporosis. So issues around bone. Now, one thing I don't know about that might be a harder one to pull out is around um, like neurodegenerative disease because estrogen has a lot of protective effects for uh, inflammation and great for brain cell health. So that was one thing that I kind of would come to mind about living in low estradiol levels for you know, that time course. Of course, looking at that population, that might not be the best accurate point to look at. So is there risk with them? Sure, there's some long-term risk. I mean, the, the acute issues that you would just have with, with low estradiol levels. Um, but the, the real question to this is, like answering the question with the question, is do you need them for our population? And there's so many beneficial effects of estrogen. And so this question is already with the assumption that we need to be lowering estrogen for a physique outcome. And say like, well, what what is what is lowering estrogen going to be able to bring us for our, for a physique competitor? And the the negatives to lowering estrogen seem extremely heavy um, when when you look at all the pros of what keeping estrogen higher higher does. As estrogen absolutely has its own anabolic pathways that it works through, increasing insulin sensitivity, GH two IGF one and um, expression, even working with uh, nitric oxide and increasing blood flow, uh, blood vessel elasticity, so helping, you could maybe, uh, bro science say that maybe that helps you with pumps. And then there's also all the other health benefits, like great for the brain, great for the heart, great for your bones, great for your skin, um, that, it, that it brings. 
And does it limit fat loss? No, it with within the right amounts, I, I would say, um, because you're going to have some outliers within his that you, you could talk about. But um, the real issue is when there's hormone disruption and shifts in really high estrogen and, and low androgens or really high androgens and low estrogens where you see these different shifts in body fat compositions that might not be preferential for what you want for a physique competitor. So if you have a female that has like low androgens, really high estrogen, and not a lot of progesterone, it could be seen as having more preferential to like hip abdominal fat and having issues with losing fat because of this really far vast shift in hormones. But with the right amounts present, um, it actually can be very beneficial for, for fat loss. And so it's a time of like, well, when would you want to lower estrogen? And for a, for a competitor, usually we always see aerobatase inhibitors put in in the last weeks of prep when you're really trying to pull out the last bit of body fat. And what is the most situ common situation you see with a female hormonally on prep is hypothalamic amenorrhea. Like most females lose their menstrual cycle on prep. And what does that mean? Well, it means that you're not going to have the signalings to the ovaries to even produce estrogen. So we usually see estrogen is at very low levels in most females at the end, and end of prep. And so the idea of to use an aromatase inhibitor, for one, to bring about fat loss, well, you already actually have a, a less um, beneficial environment for fat loss with low estradiol, that low. Also, the other, the other idea would be to harden the physique because estradiol is one input in the renin angiotensin aldosterone system that can increase some water retention. And so if you lower this a little bit, you in turn could see a shift in water. Absolutely could. Now, that is a very poor way to address that system. And usually estrogen is not the problem because it's already low. It's an input in that system, but being so low, it's not the major one to really do. It's probably if you're taking other androgens, those are the ones to really address for water retention. Or it's cortisol. Almost always this is what I see. Some, some f females is highly fatigued in holding water because cortisol is really high. So it's just a poor way to get the job done of, of what you want to accomplish for modulating water and especially for fat loss. So there's just not much application that I see with going into a uh, prep scenario using something like that. I, I do see that females that have like hormone patterns where you have estrogen excess, where there's a lot of things that we can do to help with metabolizing, excreting estradiol before we just throw a drug in and balancing out hormones. And that, that's, I think with looking at hormone clinics, they're so quick to just throw all the drugs at it when there's a lot you can do to make your body work optimally without going to different uh, drugs to do so. Now, that's not to say that it never has an application. Um, there, there's cases where it may. I just want people to be aware to have that logical thought process and framework to be able to say, is that is estrogen really the issue that I need to address in this client to bring about the look that I want? So it's not so much, to, going back to the original question, the safety of the aromatase inhibitor, it's, it's more so do we really need it even to begin with? I completely agree. And I, I think, I hope listeners can derive from that, that it's not a 
no, never use it. However, it is abused for a lot of female clients. And I think, you know, who do you point to the athlete or the coach a large part of the time I'm going to point to the coach because I, I don't exactly think in a lot of cases, I don't think females are asking, can I take an AI? Um, maybe, maybe they are, but I think, um, for one, there should be personal accountability that the athletes held to in understanding what they're taking. I believe in that pretty strongly. Like if you're going to ask to, Hey, I'm going to get on stage and coach starts throwing names of things that you don't know, you, you should do your due diligence and at least try to understand it, um, even globally. And it's a, in, in this case, it is something, um, tamoxifen is heavily, heavily, uh, there's a lot of information out there on it. And, you know, yet it, it's, I would say noted is something that, you know, women just use, um, those final few weeks of prep, but you know, how many of those athletes took the time to search, you know, a Google search, what is it? If they don't know what it is and, and they don't understand, like really the mechanism of action, I'm not talking about the, uh, really in-depth processes. However, if they can't understand like what it's doing and why it's appropriate or claiming it's claimed to be appropriate in their setting, um, I, I think the athlete is failing to do their part in that process. Um, sure. Tr trust your coach and, and reasonably do what they say, but it's also important to, to know what you're getting into, especially when you start dabbling and stuff for the first time. And when you're trying to compete at, at the highest level, if the highest level for that athlete is national, it's okay, but understand what you're doing, why you're doing it. And those, um, those risks, take those risks on with, um, with an informed consent. And I would say, um, you know, there, there, there's pretty good evidence. I, I believe on the, uh, the exercises that, uh, providers will have, um, patients who are in remission, who were on extended use of uh, different AIs who they know there there's a there's a pretty big decline with um their their cognitive function and I mean granted like you mentioned hey in that population it's hard to apply that to healthy individuals because we don't know the metrics in which um neurological deficits are being measured and I, I think that's fair to like not extrapolate something and connect it on you know, inappropriately, but also I'm like, man, what go back to what you said, why are we using this? Is it, is it actually necessary or is the coach not monitoring or having the client monitor fatigue, water intake, um, all of those variables that can contribute to excess water retention. Do we even have a baseline to establish what does this athlete run at, um, naturally, what is their estrogen when they're, they're healthiest because pre-contest, like, I mean, we should have that baseline. So I do put it on both parties in different ways, but I think like a lot of people can avoid being put into positions where they're taking something and then having to correct issues from an AI. Um, if they, if they were to one, just, just understand, Hey, what is, what is the purpose? And, and how is this going to affect me? Do I accept those risks? 
Um, and hopefully through that education, they also see like, wait, but I'm only getting six hours of sleep at best. I'm also not being really consistent with my water intake. Oh, hey, I, this um, this water retention I seem to be holding, I hold it every single month around this time. It comes off in a few days. Like there's, there's nothing to like overreact about. Um, or in the case, hey, that individual does truly does need um, an AI in place. Well, do we have a strategy that we know works? Or are we just like implementing one last minute? Are we doing it? Um, are we trialing it the, la the tail end of prep? You know, so it's a, it's a lot to consider, but I really like how you broke that down. You laid some heavy stuff on there. You just, you just brought in mind that Washington Post article that just got put out. Did you see that? Yes, I did. And I actually, I don't think I've told you, the author um, reached out to me to want to interview me. Really? I, never, I never set it up with her because no. I think our schedules, there was a conflict. And then the first Washington Post article came out about the photographs. And I was like, I don't, I, I get a sense that some things are being twisted from mm. on the media side, but also from the people being interviewed and I don't want to be caught up in something where I'm not um, voicing a truth or or the truth I'm voicing is manipulated so I was like you know what? I'm just not gonna not gonna get involved with this but I was, I was really surprised um, there's some pretty big names <laughs> yeah 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 you just wonder like how did randomly that come about like what who was the, where was the motive driven from that you know to which that, that's all this is a way off topic from like our questions, but anyway, I'll, I'll bring it back in. I won't go there. Um, <laughs> about, about, uh, you know, kind of informed consent and how much you should actually be aware as a competitor, because that, that is tough. That's, um, especially young, like coming into it, you hire a coach and you're naive and your goals right in front of you. And it's real easy to put that goal right dead center and just put the blinders on and just you you know taking illegal drugs is going to have risk like th this is just I, I feel like at that point of your life when you're into your 20s like this is going to be common sense like if you're finding drugs through a drug dealer and you're taking them like this has to have some risk to it but we just don't care to know about it because we want the goal way more then, then you know, have in mind that there might be detriments here, or it's like, ah, we'll deal with those later, or that won't happen to me. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a, a little bit naive, but uh, I think just having the awareness is extremely important. But it's tough because, like, gosh, you would almost wouldn't have a coach for a few years because you'd have to go through so much educational process and vetting different coaches to to finally. Um, make the decision for yourself, but I think it gets to the point of like, and we could we could transition this into the, one of those other questions of, of when to use PDs, but um, yeah, it, it almost has to be why you would be starting off almost natural competing and learning along the way to then implement them um, when when you're ready to do so. So we can we can maybe talk about that in that next question. But you're absolutely right. Like the use of aromatase inhibitors and serms is just at abuse of level. Like I even for males, like it's just I've I've been on preps where literally I was told to take like a, a aroma, um, uh, aromadex 
every day, Eximistain, another AI. Why would you combine them? Like, there's already two present. <laughs> like, like both of them together, and and a Serum and Novadex. And I was like, um, then I looked at like my stack design. I'm like, I'm not taking very much testosterone. Like, how much estrogen could be around here? And that's when it makes you start asking the questions. Like, hey, this just doesn't make sense. And uh, that's what kind of spurred on just me just like having to figure this stuff out and coach myself. So, but I see that with females too. Like you don't have a menstrual cycle anymore. You're taking a Remedex and Novadex. How does this make any sense? And so it's just, I think what's a cool place to be at now is that there's so many people talking about this now and awareness that you're not going to be able to just coach in the shadows and, and get away with like, putting out these protocols. You're going to have to be able to explain them or change your ways. It's um, going to come down to that. Absolutely. And you know, I, I think um, they, I think it was Justin Shire who talked about why you would, you, you had said with like being a new athlete and making decisions that you kind of know, or like I'm dabbling into something that's, I shouldn't be because I mean, like in reality, like, if, if you know what you're doing isn't wrong, there's no secrecy around it. Why would you be private about it? Why wouldn't you talk about it as openly as you talk about other things? And I think it was Justin who made a really good point. It was actually in regards to the Washington Post article about like using diuretics initially, which I know we had a question about that too. And how he's like, yeah, I knew I, I was doing something wrong. And the coach just kept more diazide, more diazide. He was at like three diazide by the time he got on stage. And he's like, He's like, there's a certain point where I was like, all right, I'm going to go on with this, but we're going to talk about this later. Like, like I'm going to, and that's one of the big reasons he's not working with that guy anymore. And and he was able to move forward from that with more education. And I, I have a very similar experience with my, my first use of, of both AIs and Izide. And it was like, huh, I know I shouldn't be doing this. I'm going to trust who I'm working with, but I, I, Oh, I don't like being, I don't like feeling so conflicted this close to show. Like, I know this isn't right. I know this goes against every like educated person's um, stance on this. Um, I don't think I, I think I had just started following you and, and tuning in to, I think I just joined Jane through you at this time. And I was like, man, like this goes against everything I know I should be doing what do I want to do? Well, I, I need to revisit this and I need to seek external guidance because the situation I'm in, I don't, I don't think I should be following this kind of protocol and it shouldn't be treated as like, this is our plan A. And I think that's the issue we both see with female peaking, but also just female prep, female fat loss is the plan A sucks. Like it has things in place that shouldn't be in place. That shouldn't be how you get someone conditioned. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> It's funny, I, I see that confliction a lot of times when people come into J3U, they'll post something in the forum, like, this is what I'm doing with my coach, and I uh, don't know, like, it doesn't match up what I'm learning here. It's like, what do I, how do I go about this? And yeah, it's tough. It's fair enough. Like, I'm not here to, like, call out some coach, and I'm also not here to say that I have it all figured out either, or, or my way is the only way either. I, I do try to, like, you know, we both try to present, like, a framework to work within and there's going to be deviations within that. There's going to be some rarities of application for things. 
Um, but there's always never like usually there's only a few like nevers and always that you should be doing. But yeah, once you run into situations where it's like that far against the grain of what logically makes sense, this is probably too far beyond the the point of like having your coach explain it. You might need to just move on if that's their only way uh, of doing things. Um, let's jump into that question since you like kind of went there uh, about uh, diuretic use on prep. It, it, is it bad? That was a question. Is it bad or does it um, ever have an application? You kind of already alluded to the answer here, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, and I, it, it kind of applies to the AI question as well. It's like with diuretics, if you need, and I, I guess I'm going to speak anecdotally because I, I know I, I don't think when I've gotten on stage, I've needed a diuretic. Have I used them? Yes. Do I think it was a misuse of it? Yes. I think most of the time it is misuse. Um, sure. There are times where maybe there's an argument, maybe, but even then, I don't think that should be put into people's minds as like, this is how we're planning to get on stage if everything goes correctly. Um, I will say, I think a lot of bikini competitors, I think the issue that they're trying to compensate for indirectly is not having the muscle they need, therefore to achieve this really elite conditioning they shouldn't be having to get that condition to get their tie-ins to show. And I, I fall into this category. Like you should have more muscle so that the fat loss, it's not gonna be easier, but you're just not going to have to like dig so hard to get down to that conditioning to get your physique in balance. And I, I think it's, um, I think it's a compensation. A lot of the times it's um, trying to correct a problem that truly, if you, if you looked at it more from an efficiency, efficiency standpoint, you would be like, well, hey, the hard conversation with that client is to be like, you don't have enough muscle. You're going to need a year, maybe maybe shorter, maybe six months. You're probably going to need a year um, to, to get where you need to be. And the alternative, this is how it's going to go. You're going to prep. We're going to diet you down really hard. And then you're not going to be ready. And then I'm going to tell you you're not going to be ready. And then you're going to be like, well, this girl's ready. She's using this. Can I use it? And it's it's okay to be naive and to see, hey, this is the pattern across other athletes or with other coaches. But like, I think collectively, if um, if the approach is more geared towards how can I do this um, without having to compensate in these other ways that aren't really helpful and actually a deterrent from your look, like I think people are going to do better. I think they're going to think they're going to stay safer and ultimately you're not going to go into preps with this idea like okay when are we throwing in diazide are we are we using it monday for peak week like it's just it's really really concerning like some of the protocols people they they treat or see as standard you know it's just what we do um and i think i think you're doing a really really amazing job like kind of correcting that while still giving people the autonomy to be like okay i'm gonna not do this because i believe it's not going to make me look better and it's not necessary. Yeah. We see so often that people just look phenomenal, like already going into peak week, like they're conditioned, they're actually stage lean. And it makes you wonder like, why don't you just go on stage like that? 
it's like, oh no, there's some other look I can bring about, and it's going to be harder when I, you know, manipulate water. Or we also see the time like after the show, then they look amazing. They're like, I looked amazing the next day or two days after the show. Why can I look like that on stage? And so you have these moments of like before peak week, right after the show, you looked your best. So what'd you do at the show that ruined it? And almost, you know, nine times out of 10, you always hear some type of diuretic was in place or some large water reduction or, or both. And so it's, it just has to get down to not following just a, a pre-laid-out protocol of, like, this is what we just do on peak week. It's, you know, we carb up, we cut water, we take diazide, you get on stage. That's very typical of what you hear. It has to look at the person, and, and it's a needs basis day by day of what needs to occur. And to have a real accurate picture of that before you get into peak week, it's, is it fat or water? That's what it needs to come down to to make sure you can do your best job to get someone seven days out and they look like they could walk on stage at some point of the day. And if you found that look, just put them on stage like that. Like that's going to be much, for one, a confidence aspect for them, but also from a coaching perspective, much more logistically easy for you to nail with how crazy shows are. Like, Luke just messaged me. He's at the Amateur Olympia. Class C was about to go on for, for physique, and they called a one-hour intermission. <laughs> like, shit, what do you... <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Now, if you had someone that was like, hey, we have a large range where you look really, really good versus someone where you've made all these manipulations and it's a fleeting moment of looking your best, you're going to miss the mark. So there's a lot of considerations of why I would try to go about that, especially for, for newer coaches and newer athletes to bring something consistent to stage that can be really, really good. But a, a lot of times the diuretic, it just it's not that you're going to get like 1% better. It, there's usually a large shift to getting worse, especially it's just thinking. It's just logically thinking on these things. Like if you look amazing, go out there like that. Or if you woke up in the morning and you, you know on peak week, you look flat as hell. How are you going to take a diazide and the next day all of a sudden look fuller? It, it's just like, no, you're going to look even flatter when weight comes down. So it's just a lot of times the, the thought process, even in coaching, just isn't making sense. But I will say there's there's sometimes could be application for, for a diuretic. It's just, it's just rare now that I've actually like gone through this process of trying to pull back all the whys of the, why are things occurring? How do I need to, to manage them? And the instance where even a diuretic comes up, it, it's, it's, it's very just, um, yeah, pretty, pretty rare. It's usually like an instance where there's, it's almost just try to problem solve at the end of prep because someone like extremely stressed, they didn't sleep at all. And they all of a sudden are holding a bunch of water, uh, a flight happened last minute and there's not enough manipulation that you could do through with time and your own water that you might need to do something like that. But that's like, at, at, it's already a, a worst case scenario. It's already shit. Like it's not going to be their best. We're just trying to manage this, the, what we can. Other applications might be like um, multi-day shows where you actually do need to keep someone on low water. There might be some application within that. 
I know some people have brought up, what about in really high androgen usage with, with male bodybuilders, like large bodybuilders, right? Because you're having a lot of inputs for the renin angiotensin aldosterone system. So you know, you know, whatever, testosterone's high, um, estrogen's high, um, aldosterone could be up higher, growth hormone could be up higher. Like all, all these things are causing more water retention. And just using like an ARB is one thing to reduce the inputs. And it's not enough. Would that be an instance? And yeah, potentially that would be. I'd say there's a few things that we can do to try to pull that back though of stack design, reducing growth hormone, switching compounds around. And then you see how that person would look and then you might can make those manipulations. Um, so it's just, uh, it's situational, but a lot of times like, hell, look at, look at, you look at our open bodybuilders right now they are, are super hard already like a week out, like several of them. Several of them could almost walk on stage at, at those moments of the day. So I guarantee a lot of those guys, they aren't doing as much manipulation as what some might think. And it's the guys that are probably not in shape that are trying to do the most. <laughs> if, uh, if you don't need a diazide, I don't need a diazide. And I think you said that very respectfully, but kindly, uh, when a while, a while ago, like it just, it doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense if these top guys who are coming in razor hard and coming in full, looking good, they're not missing their peak. If they're not overdoing it, or if they're contemplating even using one, it just, I think it's, I think it's good perspective for, for the athlete to consider or the coach to consider. Um, I did have a, a, a side, I guess, side question. Would you ever consider a renin inhibitor? Is that, is that a thing that, and this is more coming from like my, my schooling and education um, and just understanding where ARBs would fall for those individuals. Would a renin inhibitor, is that, is there a reason that wouldn't where it like where it works in the system? Uh, it I don't even know if that, that is that a drug? Because I don't know if that's even is it? Do you know of this? Yeah, okay. I'm not I'm just not familiar with it then. Yeah. Um oh I'm blanking on the name. Um I so we, we were tested on this recently, cardio beds, and uh. I was going through and I'm like I'm very fortunate that a lot of my my application is, is transferring over, but um, I was drawing some parallels there and I'm like, it, it's kind of funny though. I was going through all of these meds and how they'll affect the body. And I'm like, and there are coaches who are pretending like we've got this like window that we can like tell the body to hold off and like, oh, aldosterone just isn't gonna, it, it's just not, going to be released like that's not it that's not a thing like we don't our body is going to override what um the show scheduling says and i mean ultimately i think i think just having a look that you know you can consistently hit i think that's a lot safer um but yeah i'll um i'll get you the name that that drug i'm thinking of and yeah that would be interesting because um, the only thing that like starts to come to mind with that is because, you know, renin gets converted to angiotensin one, 
the angiotensin 2, and then that acts on the angiotensin 2 receptor, and then you have increases in aldosterone. But, but angiotensin 1 actually has some, some beneficial... Oh, angiotensin 2 has beneficial effects, so you need, like, you want a certain amount, but I know, like, NARB works on, like, angiotensin 2 receptors. So... so ACE works on angiotensin 1, yeah, right? On, on that on that conversion. So, so I, w- I would want... I don't know. I guess you have to look at the drug and see if you're losing out on some... Some aspect you'd want around it, but yeah, no, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll I'll do a little digging on that and let you know what I find. Yes, I mean, <clears throat> and so yeah, if you had, I guess, enough inputs to where aldosterone was higher, you know, some people use like aldactone, you know, just aldosterone uh, blocker, or you use something like short term like diazide. I've seen I've used both like in, in some of the preps I've done you you start earlier in the week in aldactone because it takes a long time to kind of build up the system and then like the quick effects of shifting waters with with diazide but again I, I aldactone um, is potassium sparing uh, potassium sparing right yeah and so is diazides yeah it um it's really really just a last minute like thing that we see and it's like man you're you're running a big risk messing something up that you worked months to perfect um to just hope that like hope that you nail it and that you're on stage at the right time but i mean yeah i think it should be something if if you're i think gonna have in place you know how it's gonna affect you and, and can justify it but i think having it like standardized is like hey let's um let's just agree we're going to do this in six months for athletes who are not on um, high androgen loads. I, I think it's, I, I think it can be done a lot better. I, I really think you could peak open guys without doing it too. It's, it, it's just, it's crazy to try to, to, to know how complicated they work. And then the environment that you're trying to also, that you're not able to control as well. Right. Cause you have, an environment that's shifting, like you have someone that's moving in, like like day before show, show day, like that's co- all completely different. On a daily basis, like electrolytes and fluid balance is, is increasing as you're eating and drinking. Then you're going to put in a diuretic, which is going to throw that into like hyperdrive and start shifting fluids and uh, electrolytes around. Like how are you going to manage all that? Like once you have that moving with like a diuretic, it's really hard to keep up with it and try to control it. So it's just it's so often it's just um, just a disaster. It just really really is. Yeah, yeah, and I mean I, I think um, again it goes back to like having those hard conversations. If you're going to have to get someone lean and and like only have a momentary um, time frame that they're going to be stage ready well, what, what's the real issue? Do they not have enough muscle? I mean, like for their division, yeah. male or female, um, would they have a more productive season if they had a little bit more size? I mean, is that is that worth extending that off season? And I think that goes back into making that decision. Like, hey, are we, are we actually ready to start prep? Not, hey, are you uncomfortable? Are you, are you just not having fun anymore in the off season? But like, 
would you benefit a lot from having another three months here just spent really making sure that size is there? Yeah. Yeah. That's another part of it. People don't think about it. Like you just don't have the muscle to, to show the detail. Um, and you're right about the fleeting moment of it. Cause like a lot of times the past protocols I've done, it was like someday, one day out, you start taking like whatever, some amount of diazide and like, the first couple hours, you'll like get up and you'll pose and you're like, this looks crazy. And it's just like kind of mind boggling. But it's like midday, one day out, and then that's completely gone. And it's just never returned. <laughs> and and I, I've nailed that look where I can hold it all day long. And consistently it looked better than what it did back then. So yeah, yeah, it's it's very, very fleeting. And it's at least just a, anecdotally for myself, I've been able to recreate a better look without the use and for a lot of clients as well, too. So, you know, sorry, last thing I know we beat this like very <laughs> yeah. hard to death, which sorry. it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> it does. We're going to keep doing podcasts on this until, yeah. <laughs> until people stop using them. Um, I think it's also like I with Gabby and Jillian and, um, my two previous clients who competed in October, um, a lot of, uh, not so much the girls competing at nationals, but I, I think it is very common, even if someone's not considering using a diuretic, for instance, um, I think it's very common to have that hesitation around still drinking, um, drinking water or not cutting it, uh, especially when they see other people, other people cutting water, other people, oh, you don't have your gallon with you. Yeah, no, we cut water this morning, um, you know, Friday before for the show. And that was a really important part. <clears throat> I stressed for my athletes this year to be like, Hey, here are the consequences. If you get nervous and stop drinking water, like I, I get, you're going to want to, I know, cause it's, you're going to be uncomfortable and you're going to be scared that like, we're ruining the look by drinking water. Here's what will happen if you stop. And I mean, you, you already touched on it about um, your body trying to achieve homeostasis and responding immediately based on any kind of fluid shift. But um, something we did with me this year, um, we actually, I, I don't know if you recall, we increased my water from a gallon and a half, an additional liter, just to have that padding. So if there was anything that occurred or if we did want to just bring water down even slightly, there wasn't that spike of aldosterone and there wasn't the... Uh, potential problem of then having some water retention. And I think, it, I think it's important to know that as the athlete, if you've never, um, if you've never not manipulated water, like, Hey, it's a, uh, there's a consequence to this. It's not if it's when, so like the consistency, if, it, if it's there, you, you can, you can bring that look that you've been seeing in the gym that, that, you know, like, Hey, this is, this is the best I've ever looked. Um, but not if you cut your water or you just stop drinking or forget to drink on show day. If you're just running around, not if you're not prioritizing it, um, which does that can happen. Yeah, there's it, it's just coming down to like for it, like we keep bringing it back is assessing what you need for that best look to occur. And for a lot of people, once you find it, you might need to be some water reductions to kind of hold it so it doesn't keep going up. Um, you might find some people that do look better, like first thing in the morning. It does happen, 
And that does mean that you're going to be on, on lower water for the day. It, it happens. Like, I can speak, for, like, for Renee. And Renee gets very conditioned, but she'll lose a lot of that. Like, this, the moment we put, a, a, like, fluids in between meals, um, it, it, just, it, it just gets watery, softer, quick. And it's not about, like, just... You, I try a lot of things, like protein veg, like, just fats, like, on show day... Um, it just needs to be where, like, she basically just have some water with meals. And we can hold that, you know, for, for the day. But what you bring up is, like, eventually that will kick back and you're going to have issues. So for, like, a multi-day show or if you're starting to do this on the Friday and you need to go have that carry out all the way into finals, like, this is when you, you, you probably could run into some issues around it. So fluids could be manipulated a little bit, but just within like the smaller time frame window, but not these large time frames that some people are doing. Um, or just under the assumption that they'll always look better, right? Because that's usually where we see just people just get too dehydrated and you're not just losing water outside the muscle. Most of the water's in, inside the muscle. So you're making a sacrifice, right? How much do you want to lose outside versus how much is going to come from inside and, and does that, does that improve the look or does it hurt it? Some level of like water reduction might be, be good, but to a point where then you'll just get flat and then it won't be as good. So what's the balance there? Yeah, yeah. I think we covered every aspect of diuretics that we were. Right <laughs> well, good job. We will, we will move on. Um, maybe we should hit the, the PED use one just because... We brought it up at the beginning. Uh, for for uh, yeah, it was a PD usage without the use of androgens. I guess for like a first timer, wasn't that the con? Wasn't that the context of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think a lot of what we've discussed already about like having all of your variables in place and accounted for a I know it sounds probably like a broken record, but I, I think for that individual who is ready to make the transition to enhancements without necessarily making the jump to anabolics, um, for one, I, I think that is how it should be done. Um, it it should be something that you you have other non-androgenics in place before pulling that anabar lever. Um, and really, even before that, I mean, you you do want to make sure, hey, are you even in in a place physiologically where you can grow? And it, this is a conversation I think I've had several times this past week um, with client inquiries and then current clients, you know, wanting to expedite the process and, and wanting to start, um, start, you know, their first exposure. But you know, the, the big thing is like, we, we got to look at your labs. Like we got to know, Hey, what is your baseline? What's the state of your body? And like, I mean, I'm, I'm all for helping someone get to their best, um, as an athlete, but you can't really do that. Like you can't really do that if, um, under the hood, things aren't running. And if, uh, we're going to be entering a phase where prep is just going to perpetuate, um, ongoing issues and, I would say that blood work does need to occur even prior to having these non-androgenic PEDs because, I mean, 
when it comes down to it, like what, what is happening internally, um, is representative of how you're taking care of your body and, or, or the state your body's in, um, in a lot of ways, maybe it's not directly caused by something you're doing, but just throwing things at an athlete, um, even non-antrogenic, non-antrogenic compounds, it still goes back to, okay, what's the goal with having this in place? What's the goal with having Clen in place? Well, in a prep, are we trying to expedite the fat loss? Okay, but is that individual, are they, they maximizing, are they maximizing everything else they could be doing? Um, it's a lot to track. I'm aware you're, you're well aware. It's a lot to ask the athlete to be, um, uh, data to be collecting every week, but I do think it is the minimum, uh, looking at someone's sleep, looking at their recovery, their digestion, and it doesn't really matter what we throw at them or what we tell them they're allowed to take. It's like, okay, you're, if your goal is to see your best self out to stage, even without androgens, your, your health, like you, you gotta be in a place where this is conducive to a good look. And, um, I think a lot of the times people, they want to just like avoid that part, avoid the blood work and, and say, you know, I feel good. I feel the best I have. I'm eating a lot. I'm really full. Like I, nothing's wrong. Um, but even then, like, Hey, even androgens aside, let's, let's still make sure like this is even worth starting, um, before you enter in your prep. Yeah, I think with. One, one thing that I, it is interesting is that um, we, I wanted to ask, do you think there's an age difference in the approach? Say a 21-year-old female coming in versus a 31-year-old, or say like even a 35-year-old female, at the timeline of how you would approach, like as far as risk goes and like uh, er, early introduction? You think that differs at all, like in, in age? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, but I, I think, I think the twenty-year-olds. I guess I, I would want to cross-reference it with the individual's experience, and I mean, really, that that I, the experience of them um, for that individual in the sport, and their how they've managed being in and out of the sport in a lot of cases i mean that will hold a lot of weight for me in whether or not i suggest they consider trt whether or not it's appropriate for them to use even a non-androgenic ped someone who is consistently going in and out of the sport um, and using it almost as a band-aid to feel a little better about themselves but always coming out having like a negative experience somehow I don't know if that individual, despite age, I, I don't know if I would recommend that they they do take that next step to advance themselves. Um, it seems like there could be some work um, outside of the supplementation that should be done first. It seems like it'd be more appropriate versus um, a girl I, I just spoke with who's 21, 22. She does have experience using PEDs and androgens. She's also been a gymnast her whole life and was kind of brought up. Um, I, my understanding is truly like in the gym seven days a week, 
um, following a regimented diet, um, adding tissues. So I mean, like, even though biologically her age is is very young and it is too early for her to be using PEDs, I think um, with this individual, I think her goals uh, were very realistic and supported what she was doing regularly and what she's proven that she's done previously. Um, even with her, though, I would still be a little, a little cautious just because, um, just because of the age. I think I, I really want to see someone be certain or close to certain that they enjoy the sport and actually see themselves in the sport long term. Um, and even long term, you know, that's kind of open ended. But uh, I don't want to recommend someone start using enhancements if it seems like, hey, and after this show, they're going to dip out and they're they're not going to compete again. They're not even going to be at the gym in six months. I mean, it's unfortunate, but we we do see that happen um, with a lot of individuals who get get into this. No, that's a good answer because it, it does. I think it does just truly depend on on the individual as far as the rates you would push them through. Because someone that's young, typically you're not as emotionally mature and you probably aren't thinking long-term and you're more risk-adverse. So that is someone that you probably want to try to pull back and let them pull out the variables as much as they can and teach them those things. Um, But someone older... They might not necessarily be more emotionally mature. <laughs> you might have just like the really mature young person, like the maybe the gymnast that you've talked about that you know, understands working hard from that like the athletic background, and maybe more so who she is as an individual versus just because someone older doesn't mean they'll have that either. Um, realizing that the timeline for these people might be a little different, like twenty-one year old, like you could probably do this till you're thirty-five plus. Um, and then be reaching your peak versus 31-year-old, that might be a shorter timeline. So maybe that we could accept more risk for the, that individual. But then it comes down also to what is the goal here and what is the potential for that individual to, to realistically hit that. Um, so you have to weigh that out a little bit. But it'd be nice just to see the response, at least for you know six months with the client before we make decisions to jump into enhancements so as a coach you have a better gauge of all right this person has some potential to really go far here the risk is worth it Um, for others it it might not be those are hard conversations to have and kind of where that changes like for the older female right you're getting into this in your 40s like i see this happen and if you love it you love it you know it is what it is but the potential to go all the way is very much diminished versus someone that's starting out younger, like once you kind of reach a certain certain timeline for for individuals. So, yeah, it, but I think the, the, the framework's the same, right? The assessment, how we would introduce them, it all kind of is uh, relatively the same across those cases. Absolutely. And I, I do think even with the older client who is, getting into it a little bit later, I I guess it, it bums me out when I hear like new clients, they're like, okay, I know I'm, I'm a little bit older. I'm a master's competitor. So I don't know if you want to take me on. I'm like, damn, that's like, has someone said that to you? That's like, so that's so shitty. Like, 
like if, if like as a coach like just like oh I'm not gonna work with this person because they're not gonna win a pro show they're not gonna do a lot for me like I think like it's really sad that like um some of these master competitors like they they're like yeah I've been in this like 10 years I'm I'm very well seasoned at this point and like I I still want to continue to have this part of my life um I want I want this to be something that I carry out um because it it helps me it aids my quality of life and I think um I think that speaks more to me as like oh that, hey that's a that's gonna hopefully be a really good fit with this client um someone who is that committed um like longevity in the sport and while it's considered it's not um not considered I think the way certain clients or um inquiries have have expressed they've they've been I guess met with um from other individuals it just seems like what they can do for the coach is being factored into whether or not they would get coached or they would be allowed to take certain compounds I think that's so so unfortunate um but yeah I think um having those having those conversations around like hey what what are your goals I, I think that's the intro an introduction I mean that's how you start these conversations with any client who is considering making that jump you uh you, you brought up another point when you're talking about that the variables are a lot to track for people uh, and that has to align with the goal as well so and what we're talking about here is like um, Corey's extensive excel sheet no I'm just kidding we, we all we all have them uh, for you know tracking uh, sleep hours sleep quality like calories body weight um, training performance like recoverability like all, all these things we ask to track daily for clients could seem like a lot and it's a lot more to look at for a coach but also like you're asking for the goal of of trying to be hey you want to be a pro it, you want to be the best in the world is what you're saying so how would i fast track someone to doing that i would make sure that we have like the best training possible. Like we fast forward you so I can see every part of your training and make that the best it can be. Nutrition, like your, your lifestyle, sleep, like everything is to fast track you to optimize it. Because I've been on coaching where they don't look at all those things. It's a lot of assumptions that happen. And it's a lot of time that I spent not making the fastest rate of progress I could make. And there was drugs thrown on it to where it masks a lot of those inaccuracies that I had just unaware. If I was told about them, hell yeah, I would have done them. I just, I just, no one even looked at it to, to know I was, could have improved. So that's the reason why we would go in depth and tracking those variables. So it's like, Oh, this is a lot. Well, you're asking for a lot for your goal. And I want to, I want to push you fast track towards that. If we could pull that out faster, that's why I'd say like give a few months before using PDs, really dig deep into all those areas, then when you are going to bring the PDs, like you'll get so much more out of it. Um, and you'll never have to have it masked and not actually see out like all the other factors that are going to, have to play the biggest roles um, over the long term. I, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's, it's uh, in a way, I, I think it is protecting the client from enabling them to do something that is, 
not in their best interest um, by asking that they do track these things and that they care about them. Um, it, it's very similar for a teacher or student um, asking them to do some assignments that seem like busy work or seem like, oh, these can't be like that important. Well, they're they're going to help you. I know, I know you might not want to all the time. It might take a little bit extra effort, but like, hey, in the long run, this is what's going to move the needle more. And even if it's just, even if you're doing everything perfectly, just knowing, hey, this isn't the culprit for a lack of progress. And I think I found a lot of success explaining to clients that way. Like it, it's not a matter of like me micromanaging, like how you're sleeping or like, oh, you got five ounces of water less. It's not like that. It's not a power trip. It's like, I want to know when I tell you, like, here are the two decisions that we have to make as far as like how we're going to generate faster progress. I want to know cert like definitively, hey, it's, it's not these other five things. And if you're not tracking it, you can't manage it. Um, what you, what you aren't measuring, you can't manage. And I, I think, um, if it's, I feel like it, it, it adds so much to someone's ability to execute and then just focus on what matters. Yeah. And it's within the goal, right? Because hey, if you don't want to be a pro, you just want to improve your physique. Like, yeah, we don't have to like track everything. Right. Um, it's just based around what you're trying to improve in. At some point you might hit a bottleneck where like, Hey, I really want to like add more muscle on or get even leaner. It's like, well, we might have to like, you know, raise your ceiling up by tracking a little bit more variables and, and pulling more out. Are you okay with that? Like, yeah, 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 for sure. Like, okay, we can go there. But for Corey and I, like, we're primarily working with competitors. So that's the, the goal is setting the expectation of what we're pulling out of people. It's setting the expectation. And, and even those for those lifestyle clients, like, who are interested, who have that desire to treat yeah. their goals like competitive athletes, it's like, I run into, I run into this constantly where athletes are like, I don't want to get on stage, but I want you to give me that same attention to detail. I'm like, cool. You get yeah. a spreadsheet, you get a spreadsheet, like you're fill it out. They, and they, they appreciate being held to a standard that I think it's, I think it's kind of been pushed to the side unless their goal is to be competitive mm -hmm. yet. It's like, Hey, you'll, you'll see as a lifestyle client, all these things, as long as you know consistently they're happening, you you don't need to obsess over them. You don't need to be overly um, nitpicky or or just in the books like, okay, well this there's a slight change here. You you can then see like, hey, here are the things that are really uh, adding up and aiding in your ability to make progress. But I, I think it's um yeah, I think it's a really really good practice even for those individuals too. Um, and just knowing, hey, here are my here are my trends. Here are the things I had no idea I was only getting six and a half hours of sleep every night. Like now I know this, I can work on it. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that'll be a good segue to wrapping this up. It's just being overall everything we've talked about is is awareness, right? It's awareness of what you're doing, whether it's surrounding PDs, peak week, and diuretic usage or just self-awareness of, of tracking your own variables and trying to get more out of them. It's trying to just always improve yourself and, and be at, bring about the best version, which requires you have to be a little bit introspective in everything that we do. It's 
physique competition. It's uh, not like when we grew up and you're trying to jump into a sport and you have all of a sudden surrounded by coaches. Um, you're, you're very much on your own to figure a lot out. So it is, it does require a lot. Um, and it's just part of what you will have to do to, to truly see out your best. You will have to learn in, to, in this sport or competition, whatever you want to call it. So anyway, if you do want coaching, <laughs> uh, Corey maybe has open spots. <laughs> I know she's like slamming school. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I, I have a couple open spots, few people they're taking the holidays off and might yeah. re-up, you know, so, um, but yes, uh, for anyone who's interested in coaching, both lifestyle or competition, um, please fill out an application form. Um, we'll touch base, set up a call and go from there. But yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun. These always get really good feedback. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time.